I'm Sharon Batters, and this is the Help and Hope podcast produced by Mark Inc. Ministries. And our vision is to offer help and hope, especially to hurting people. And one of the ways we do that is we share stories of people who have or are experiencing life-transforming crises where they might struggle in isolation or they have had a hard time finding their path forward or they share stories of how God's grace to them has led them each step of the way. And one of the reasons we do that is because in our own lives, we suffered the loss of our son Mark and his friend Kelly in a car accident. And there were people ahead of us in the journey who came alongside of us and walked with us and reminded us that God is sovereign and we can trust Him. And we wanna do that for you today. So thank you so much for joining us. Kara Dedert is my guest today, and I stumbled on Kara's story through her blog, and it's simply Kara Dedert. Uh, you can search for Kara Dedert and you'll find her blog. And there I met Calvin, her son, and her family, and I was so touched by her story. And so we're going to be talking to Kara today about her family's story. So Kara, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Sharon. I'm glad to be with you. Before we uh, jump into your family story, what is one thing that you do that gives you joy? Mm, I would say um, discipleship seems to be a newer theme in my life, at least a formal, more formal discipleship. I've been working with college girls, a small college girls group in our church. And not only is it helping them to be in the word more, it's helping me to be in the word more. So it's just been a really wonderful time for me to start actually practicing discipleship, a more formal discipleship in my life for the first time. Um, And also, I would say discipleship with my kids. As my kids are reaching the teen years, I'm finding I love teenagers. And (laughs) I've heard a lot of stories about people, you know, being really nervous about the teen years, but I'm not saying it's easy or that we do it perfectly, but I'm just finding it such a rich time to discuss and talk and really think through things with my kids and also just have fun. So those are some things that are really giving me joy. And I, uh, through your blog, I've seen the kind of some of the fun things that you do with your kids too. And it's great to see that uh, enjoyment. And I would imagine that sometimes it's difficult unless you're really intentional about doing it. You and your husband were on the mission field in Thailand and had planned to spend a long time there. What happened to change your plans? Sure. Well, um, we were actually in Cambodia, but Kelvin was born in Thailand. So We moved to Cambodia in 2005, and my husband was a high school teacher at an international school teaching Bible and helping to develop their program. And I was working in development with a school, and we both really loved our lives there. We were very involved in the church community and the school community, and life was just very simple. We were beginning a family. Over the course of the next five years, we added three more children to our family. So it was a very busy time, but a very blessed time. And then our time was cut short just when we were feeling like this is where we're going to be for life. We really felt settled, felt our purpose, felt like God had really directed us here and seeing fruit in the ministry and just really dedicating ourselves to a full-time, you know, a longer commitment that our fourth child was born, Kelvin, and he had severe disabilities. And it really turned our world upside down and cut our time overseas short We ended up coming back to the States just to kind of get Calvin evaluated when he was four months old. And it was very clear that we were not going to be able to be returning to the mission field with Calvin. And that's when we began transitioning back to the U.S. 
What was uh, Calvin's diagnosis and what was his prognosis? Unclear is would be the best word. It was such a season of nobody really knowing. Um, What we did know was that for some reason, Calvin had a smaller head than what was normal, which is called microcephaly. And upon doing ultrasounds on his brain, they found calcifications, which are basically um, a sign that some sort of infection or virus had impact him, impacted him while I was pregnant. It wasn't until many years later that we would do back testing and find out it was actually caused by the Zika virus, which is carried by mosquitoes. Um, so I had gotten bit by a mosquito that caused the brain damage for Calvin. And then as many special needs moms know, once that happens, you have a slew of secondary diagnosis that follows. So he is, has cerebral palsy. He has no purposeful movement. He's blind, but he's also so much joy. So it's not a very clear-cut diagnosis, but it all stems from the Zika virus. What um, were some of the struggles that you, in particular, but you and your husband experienced spiritually? I mean, you're missionaries. You're serving the Lord. You were there for the long term. And now this? I mean, how, how did you uh, react? It felt like having the rug pulled out from under our feet. It felt mean. It felt cruel. This on a human level. It felt like we didn't see this coming. We had no indication. Um, weren't we doing what you called us to, God? And when we transitioned back here, we didn't have that sense of purpose. My husband was Canadian, is Canadian, and didn't even have U.S. citizenship. So we had to go through the process of green cards. And it felt like we lost everything. And it was just so perplexing to us why God, who's sovereign over all things, and you know, providence is often taught as a comfort for believers. And it just felt instead a very cruel hand from the Lord that this was happening. And so it was very painful for us. We, we pretty much were just trying to survive from day to day because Calvin's needs were, he was so fragile that we were about like ICU nurses around the clock for him. And so we were not processing a whole lot and just simply getting through days, to be honest. And I I feel like that is what happens to uh, most families when they have um, a fragile child or a disabled child or even a a family member where you just are getting through the days. There isn't time for you to step back and process everything. What would you say to a parent or a caregiver who is experiencing that right now, but they know that they need to figure out where the Lord is in all of this and where their faith is, is there a time where you can do that? Do you have to be intentional about it or does it just happen? I would say it's extremely, it was extremely important for me to simply place myself under the means of grace. Even when I had no desire, I felt angry with God and would sit in the back row of our church. And I was really glad nobody could see the back row because I would just weep through most services. It just felt like our life was just horrible. Every part of it, there was so much suffering that my child was going through, not just special needs, but an actual suffering, daily suffering. And I just struggled with that. I struggled to see how the love of God in my life was real when this was happening in my arms. And so I, but staying under the means of grace, putting myself in that bench and just allowing myself to be reminded of the character of God, allowing myself to just openly pray to the Lord. I think that's, you know, one thing I would really suggest to those who are in the midst of that struggle is one of the biggest dangers is isolation, where we can't hear the truth. We can't, all we hear is our own thoughts and our own reasoning. 
And that can really lead us down a path of despair. So being in the word, having friends, godly friends sit with you and they don't have the answers and they don't need to give the answers, but just having somebody sit with you and pray with you and just be your friend and listen to you. I think trusting the Holy Spirit that he's faithful and will keep you even when you don't have it figured out. And even just praying, Lord, keep me. I, I feel this way, but this is who you say you are to be. Show this to me. That's where I found myself many days. And I think that one thing that I realized when we were struggling with the loss of our son, Mark, and his friend, Kelly, was I knew at some point I knew that I was at a crossroads, that I could become a bitter old woman, or I could lean into the intimacy that I had always believed in with the Lord. And I like what you're saying about the means of grace. Some people watching or listening may not understand what that means. Can you explain a little bit more? I think you touched on it uh, about being in church and the word and community. Is there anything else like practically? I mean, somebody listening could say, Kara, I don't have time to breathe. How am I supposed to have time to do those things? How do I, how do I make time for those things in my life? Right. And time is an issue. Um, some of the simple things that I've done, when I say means of grace, I mean how it constantly exposing myself. There's a book called Habits of Grace by Dave Mathis, where he talks about putting yourself in a stream. So, and as the stream rushes by, you get wet. And it's that same, that principle really stuck with me. So even reading my Bible, if I didn't even have the mental capacity to read, which sometimes I did not, it would be like something like this, listening to a podcast of other believers who were able to encourage me in the Lord. I would go for walks in my neighborhood just as a mental health break. And I would play a sermon, a super simple sermon that would just remind me of who God is. And the Lord often used in his providence, those sermons were just what I needed to hear at that time. And it was just a very sweet reminder to me that whenever I opened the word, God was willing to meet me wherever I was at, whether I was angry or bitter or even doubting his existence, doubting his goodness. God met with me there and stirred my heart. Um, So it doesn't need to be anything that's extremely time consuming. It's more of putting yourself in a place where you can pray what you're feeling to the Lord while you're changing the diapers, while you're struggling, while you're in a waiting room, you know, listening to that podcast, having the Bible app on my phone has been awesome. And then fellowshipping with believers is also a means of grace. The Lord says that we are to bear each other's burden. We fulfill the law of Christ that way. And we, we hold each other up. And there were many times where I felt like I was drifting away. And if not for friends who were literally pulling me back just by loving me and not moving their ground on the love of the Lord, you know, just reminding me over and over what God had revealed about himself and that he would be that to me. Um, It really kept us in many ways. You're in, it sounds like a strong faith community and you have a good support network, but there are those who are floundering, drowning, and they're alone. They're, they feel completely isolated. They don't have that kind of support network. What first steps could they take to try to create those relationships, pursue those relationships? Yeah, that is a big challenge for so many. It's not an easy answer. I think off the top of my head, the first thing for me would be finding a local church that teaches clearly from the Word of God. To me, that would be number one, because where that is, there's going to be a body of believers. And the church is often the way that the Lord encourages us and where we come into that faith community. So finding a church that preaches clearly the word of God is the first thing. 
And I would say also there are many online, it's not the same as in person, but there are many online encouragements. I know for me, once I started writing, I just was, I just wanted to start, I needed an outlet. I actually didn't have a big community. I had a big faith community. I did not have any peers who were going through anything what I was going through. And as I wrote and published it online, I felt like the community kind of came to me and I was able to just find other moms who were going through similar things as me. And that was very sweet. It made me feel very much like I was not going through this alone. So I don't know exactly how people can connect with those communities other than to be in contact with Christian ministries. There are many Christian support groups and moms groups online, and those can be a real blessing in a season where you're going through something so unique that those in your immediate context just do not relate to you. One uh, organization that comes to mind right away is Johnny Erickson Tata's passion for families with handicapped children and special needs and disabilities. And I would recommend that, you know, Google her. If you've never heard of her, Google Johnny Erickson Tata and you'll land right in the middle of a safe haven. I know that you would feel that way right away. Tell us about Calvin and tell us uh, what kind of an impact has he had on your family? So Calvin is almost 11 years old. He's actually home with me every day. He's here as I'm speaking. Um, We have a nurse helping to care for him. So when Kelvin was born, he looked just like all of my other kids. He looked so normal that we had a very hard time believing that anything was actually wrong. And we were desperately praying that God had done this amazing miracle that we had heard about, that God was going to provide. And maybe this was the reason. And, you know, we would have this amazing testimony of God's healing. And we always want that overcoming story. But that was not our story. Ours continued to be a way of weakness and just a desperate time period in our life. So at about six weeks or so, we noticed Kelvin started to lose the ability to nurse. And we started noticing things like his vision. Was he actually seeing us? And bit by bit, as we came back to the States and had, you know, more testing done, we started to realize how catastrophic this was. This wasn't going to be a learning disability, or maybe he was going to have some trouble walking. It was basically all of our worst fears coming true and all of our dreams really being crushed. He eventually was not, um, you know, he's never been able to move purposefully. He can't eat on his own. So a lot of people will hear things like that and think, how can any good come from this? But I can say he is nearly 11 and he is so much part of our family and such a joy and blessing. But I never would have understood that standing outside of it. And actually, when I was, I remember distinctly one time just hearing another crushing diagnosis for him and just really coming to grips with how disabled he was going to be. And just staring at my mom, we were in the living room together and just tears coming down both of our faces. And I thought, what, what's even the purpose to a life like this? why it's almost cruel that he has to live this life. So just looking back at that point and realizing how God has led us, even though the circumstances are very much the same. He has not had a lot of development, but he knows us. I didn't anticipate how much his personal responses to us would be. So for example, this morning, I heard him calling me at five o'clock. He, he verbalizes. So I came down and I rolled him over because he can't move on his own. And he just let out this absolute expression of delight. And, you know, it's hard to be grumpy at five in the morning when someone's greeting you with such joy and happiness. And he's just been a real testimony of contentment and suffering. And he's taught all of us, I think, so much of that. And it sounds simplistic and it sounds cliche, but 
it really has changed us and changed all of my kids as they've rallied around him. And, you know, through so many hospital stays and through so much instability, just accepting him for who he is and, and trusting God's purposes that are much bigger than Calvin through this road. You talk about your other children and you have described how they rally around Calvin and how to you it's a picture of the church, which is, it's a beautiful picture that you paint. What do you see in your other children that you know in your heart is because Calvin has been given to your family and is such a treasure? I would say it has really impacted their faith, I would say, first and foremost. Faith is not an abstract concept. Heaven is not abstract. Suffering is not abstract. And I feel like it's been a greenhouse for learning those things in tragedy. And I never would have chosen to put my kids in that greenhouse. But God has, in His grace, grown good things from that. There are definitely still struggles. Um, my kids still struggle with things. My oldest was just the other, you know, it wasn't, it was probably a few weeks ago or so, just making college plans and starting to think about that and then immediately feeling just this crushing grief because as she's making plans for the future, she feels like she's leaving Calvin behind. And there are lots of difficult things that they've had to deal with, but they just have a, a seriousness about life. And also, I would say just a kindness towards people. Not knowing people's stories, um, we can often pass a quick judgment on people and just realizing a lot of what somebody's suffering is going through. And through the eyes of their brother, they see just a person. They see a little boy limited by all of these things, but realizing there's so much more to him than meets the eye. And just really extending that to other people um, has been a blessing just to see that grow in them. Our son and his wife, they have five children. But they adopted one, a little girl from India, and the day that they got the picture of her, they came over to the house to show it to us, and we celebrated, and they said, well, we have some other news, too, and Laura was pregnant. Oh, wow. So, and their little girl was totally incapable of carrying, I mean, she was teeny tiny, and she would not have survived. It's a miracle she survived. So, they weren't getting a two and a half year old. They were getting like a newborn infant. and. They met with a counselor who was not a, a Christian, but, but they said they'll always be glad for the meeting. And she said, I want to know which child is going to pay the price for you doing this. And, you know, they looked at each other like, what is she talking about? And she said, I'm guaranteeing you one of your children is going to pay the price for you mm-hmm. doing this because this is too much for you to do. And I never forget Laura saying, if this is the price for my child to become more like Jesus, because she has to die to self in order to love and care for her sister, we are willing to pay that price. You know, that because the the treasures are so much more priceless, you know, there's there's no amount of money you could pay for your children knowing Jesus and displaying that love for Jesus to their sibling who has special needs. So, I I love the description of your family and how Calvin is a treasure and he is impacting people for eternity. He doesn't know it, but one day in heaven, he's going to know the gift that he is to to you and to so many other people that you don't even know. I'm sure that in spite of the joy and the treasures and all of this, you, uh, there have to be days that are bad, that are rough, that are difficult just because of life. But 
uh, maybe because of Calvin having a diagnosis or a prognosis or something that is devastating to you. Do you have a special scripture that you love that's your go-to passage? I have many. (laughs) Um, One of the parts of scripture that has been especially precious to me, I don't have it up here in front of me actually, is in 1 Peter And just talking about the hope that we have is that is incorruptible, that never fades away. I don't have the exact reference right here, but that has just been precious to me that nothing can shake this hope. And that's actually how my life is, what my life is founded on. It's not on my present circumstances. It's not on that I'm doing this special needs life well, because often I feel like I'm failing. I don't, even though I am thankful for God's blessings in it, I don't feel like I've got it down. I don't feel like I know really how to walk through it successfully. I feel like I've been very dependent on the Lord every step of the way, and He's kept me from (laughs) destruction, and He's just been faithful in guiding me. And so just this hope that He's also put within us is just very precious to me. And this is is like my, my long view, and it really gives that to me and kind of orders the perspective of my day and my circumstances because I'm living this in light of what's coming and of the hope that he's given us. And I would also, you know, I I used to be very discouraged. I remember one person gave me the CD back in the days when we had CDs. And it was about a family. It was from Focus on the Family about a family who had a child with severe cerebral palsy. And when I heard that, and I was very early on in the journey, it just made me even more devastated. I I couldn't imagine living in such a such a circumstance. And and it just seemed like the, the people who were finding joy in it were surely delusional. <laughs> so it just was so beyond my comprehension. But now I'm one of those people. I'm one of those older people. And just so I would just say to younger moms, if you don't feel that reality, it's okay. It's actually very normal that you don't. But just trust the Lord for today. And then trust the Lord for tomorrow. And it's just amazing what, how He moves with you in every season. And it's never a feeling of success or I'm doing this right or I've adjusted fully. It's just following him closely is really your marker of how your day is going. Well, Kara, I I just spend hours talking to you and I hope we get to talk again. I want to encourage those of you who are watching or listening to know Kara better. Go to her blog at Kara Dedert. Uh, Just put her name in and you'll find her. And you will be blessed by the stories that she shares. I think you already know that just by what we have been talking about. So Kara, as we wrap up, you've kind of already done this, but is there anything more that you would say to like a young mom who has just learned that her child is going to live a life that she did not expect through disabilities or illness, some other kind of terrifying change in her life? What would you say to her Just talk to her one-on-one about what would be some of the first steps that you would encourage her to take so that she can kind of walk a steady path moment by moment. Um, I think even just practical small things. Daryl and I have learned that it's very important to just take small little breaks if we can, escaping sometimes into a good novel, escaping into a little drama series that you love, you know, something that actually allows your brain and all of your emotions to just come down for a while. That's a very practical thing. Taking walks outside, whatever it is that actually just allows you to be for a bit. Um, We're always, I feel like when you're in these initial stages, it's just constant turbulence emotionally, spiritually. And so just allowing yourself downtime, I know that's very difficult, but as, as you can, 
And then also just realizing that when tragedy happens, you feel very exposed and you feel like God has left you hanging out on the line. And never is it more important to be reminded of what God actually, who he actually is towards you, what his thoughts are towards you. Protection is not always a sign that God is with us, but what is a sign of God with us is him going through these seasons, him being our rock when we are shifting and moving and grieving and feeling torn apart, that he is near us. And also that there's this idea that as Christians, that we will have lives that are successful and have little scars and trauma and we'll go into glory feeling confident. But the reality is many believers bear scars and have trauma that they will carry all the way until heaven. Um, But God will use those scars and that trauma. And he eventually is going to be wiping all of that away and you will be made new. And in the meantime, he's with you and you are not alone. Jesus has borne the ultimate trauma. He's borne the ultimate scars so that ours are not lasting forever, but for a short time. Kara, thank you so much for sharing this time with us. I know that you are crazy busy and I appreciate your willingness to share some of your story. My guest today for our Help and Hope podcast is Kara Dedert. And I'm sure that especially if you are living a life that's similar to hers, where you have a disabled child or you're a caregiver that you know you found a friend in Kara, and I strongly recommend that you find her online at her blog, Kara Dedert, so that you can also be encouraged by her words and have someone walking alongside of you that gets you, that really gets you. If you have enjoyed this podcast and would like to hear more stories like this, go to markinc.org, that's M-A-R-K-I-N-C.org where you're going to find many, many free resources that are designed to offer help and hope, especially when you are hurting. So again, that's markinc.org. I'm Sharon Batters. Thank you so much for coming along with us today.